0: Support for the Trailblazers.fm podcast comes from the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, a national membership network that reminds us there's no cavalry coming to save the day in our communities. We are the iconic leaders we've been waiting for, the curators of the change we're seeking to see. To learn more about the groundbreaking work of the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, visit tbpod.com slash
1: You're listening to the
0: Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. What's up, blazing Asian? So... Exciting news. Once again, this week is a special week for me. I celebrate my 41st birthday this coming Saturday, April 21st, and I'm grateful. I am so grateful for what is a good life and all of God's blessings in my home, in my marriage, over my kids, family, and this podcast. I think you all represent an extended family to me, and this year especially is after a really great start. I've done a couple free masterclass sessions, as I've shared with many of you. It's my hope to begin helping as part of this mission to help you guys blaze your trail. I'm also wanting to help individuals develop their authentic and amazing personal brand and got some really amazing feedback from most of you who have attended our free masterclass sessions these past couple weeks. And I'm working to get those into the coursework. So applying that feedback that I've received right now. And so I would continue to encourage you and challenge you, those of you who are challenged with creating your own personal brand and website and optimizing your digital footprint. I'd love to chat more with you and understand where those challenges lie. Send me a message. You can do so through the website over at tbpod.com or hit me up on social media. I'm very active on Twitter and Instagram. I'm there at tbpod or at Steve Nehart. You can send me a DM. So a couple of weeks ago, we had our very first featured guest, Maxine Reyes, who was the first person that was part of US military. She's served time in both the Air Force and Army and just recently retired. But after our chat, I got we were talking and I decided to also bring her husband on, who's also a trailblazer, in his own right. So today's pretty amazing where we're going to basically feature our first husband and wife duo, even though the interviews are separate. But the unique thing here is today is our very first episode doing an active duty military member, as well as our very first Latino man on the podcast. And... So, Trailblazers, allow me to introduce Major Kenneth Reyes. Ken has served our country for more than twenty years. He's deployed previously to support the NATO-led stabilization force in Bosnia and has also volunteered to fight in Afghanistan as a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division. Ken has taught as an assistant professor of military science for the United States Army Cadet Command at Emory Riddle Aeronautical University, Stetson University, Bethune Cookman University, which many of you know is a HBCU, and Dayton state college and today ken is currently serving as the director of army human resources for the first special warfare training center airborne at the john f kennedy special warfare center and school at fort bragg north carolina Among his many awards and decorations, his accolades include the Bronze Star Medal, the Meritorious Service Medal, and the Army Commendation Medal. Blazer Nation, today my ask is that you'd share this episode with one person that you think would be impacted most by this episode. And so without further delay, here's my conversation with our trailblazer, Kenneth Reyes. Enjoy. Ken, welcome to Trailblazers.fm, my brother. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So a couple weeks ago, I'm excited because a couple weeks ago, we had your wife on the podcast. Yes. And though you're following her in terms of being a featured guest after her, you're checking a ton of firsts for us on the podcast today, being our first active duty guest on the podcast, our first Latino man on the podcast, and first husband-wife duo, even though you featured separately. So... Appreciate having you here. Really looking forward to chatting up with you for a little bit here. And I'd love to begin things off from a place of gratitude. We do that with most of our conversations here. And so I'd love to invite you to maybe share an
1: unexpected blessing that you're most grateful for in your life right now. An unexpected blessing. You know, we're about to celebrate our 21st marriage anniversary. So I wouldn't say that that's unexpected. But when it comes with relationships, nothing is to be taken for granted. You have to appreciate every year of life and every year in a relationship because there's so many distractors and friction points that can come up along the way that are unforeseen. So I'm just very grateful that we've reached 21 years of marriage. That's commendable, man. Congrats on that. Thank you.
0: I I know that you are born in New Jersey. And you're the son, of a mom who was also in the military. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about your background for a second, or maybe have you share what it was like growing up and traveling around the country and and around the world as a military dependent.
1: Right. So my mother is a 21-year retired Sergeant Major, which is the highest enlisted rank an enlisted person can get. And so growing up with her, literally, I left New Jersey very young, I might have got the states in the wrong order. It's been a long time, but we grew up in Hawaii, Texas, Germany, and California, all before I graduated high school and spent some time in Boston, some other areas, depending on her military training. So it was really just growing up without my mother a lot due to the Army training and living with aunts, nephews, cousins, friends, and all that, and having to make friends over at all new schools, because every three years we moved, three to four years we always moved, and so it was a lot of continuing adjustment. And I would say that now as an adult, it definitely helped me to adjust working on different jobs, different staffs, and it allowed me to make friends and quickly fit into any organization or situation that I'm put into.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So, you know, I'm curious. I know that you're married to a strong Jamaican woman. I wasn't yes. sure if you all are of Caribbean roots or what's your descent?
1: So both of my parents are from Puerto Rico. I am a nice. second-generation Puerto Rican living in America, and I phrase it that way because to me it's very common, but it's not common knowledge that Puerto Rico is part of the United States, and we are born American citizens since the mm-hmm. Jones Act. But yeah, I'm definitely Puerto Rican. I'm proud American. It is a single status, but sometimes it can be dual depending on how the conversation is being conducted on the topics, if you, if you know what I mean.
0: That's right. What do you find to be some of the common ground that you can kind of connect to that the Caribbean roots, right? Because I think there's so much commonalities between the things that we like
1: being from the Caribbean.
0: Is Maxine like cooking any specific foods that you like to eat?
1: (laughs) So let's say Maxine is a wonderfully intelligent, beautiful Jamaican woman. (laughs) Okay. I want to put that out there first, but her cooking can solve any type of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that may arise in the relationship. So I tease her that if we're having some type of discussion and she starts cooking some food, I'm like, hey, what's going on here? You know, like you're trying to win me over or trying to shut it down. Yes, yeah, so she cooks. Man, she's wonderful. I love Jamaican food. And forgive me, island of Puerto Rico, but uh, I love Jamaican food. Number one. Number one, respect.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. So let's talk a little bit about your time in the military, right? You came in, obviously you grew up, you know, you just shared about your mom being in the military for twenty one years. Yes. But you came into the military yourself right out of high school, it seems.
1: Right out of uh, high school. Seventeen years old, graduated six months up. early, turned eighteen years old. I had my birthday in basic training. Wow.
0: And so you've now spent two decades in service to both the Air Force and Army. You've deployed now to, you know, Bosnia and Afghanistan, spending years at a time fighting for a country. And, you know, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit and ask, you know, what are some of the most challenging parts of having to navigate and make it through some of these lengthy deployments, right? So.
1: You know, this is a question that, you know, we get posed commonly as soldiers and the answers are very much similar. The hardest part is dealing with the separation. It's not the combat. It's not the stress. It's not Mm. the long hours of planning missions and then changing things at the last minute due to some type of new information. It's usually just the separation from the family. Because as our lives deployed, we are very bogged into the mission and there's very few distractions. You know what I mean? But for the family right. at home, life goes on. The husband or the wife is not there, and so there, there's so much burden of uh, there's so much additional burden on their lives that they're not accustomed to. And eventually, you know, the home front gets adjusted. But that separation it can cause any other friction. And God forbid you had issues before you left, like regular couples do, unresolved right. things. Then that deployment can cause so much additional friction points that while they're not necessarily inherent to the problem. They can just agitate it, and to the point where things are said out of anger, out of frustration that wouldn't normally be there if a service member was at home with their wife or husband. So, yeah, the separation for me and many soldiers is the hardest part.
0: And it's a broad stroke, not just for you, but you've you've oh, also known that amongst yes. other soldiers as well.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah, now, I'm definitely speaking for myself, and I can definitely speak for you know hundreds of thousands of soldiers that I've either come across, have known, or read literature on and experience with, and just even by passing, family stress is always, well, not always, but is very greatly the number one most difficult aspect of fighting in a combat zone, which might some people find kind of as an odd answer because they would think that the violence of the activity and just the long hours and things of that nature. But just, you know, keeping the family secure at home because you're powerless to support them if anything happens. You know, we just cannot pick up and go.
0: So let me ask you, you know, as we talk about this, what do you wish more men? And I know, you know, we're going to talk about mentorship in a second here and, and your leadership. But what do you wish more men, especially in the military, understood about depression and about, you know, managing their mental health, especially in those type of environments where you're away from and separated from
1: your family? Men in the military I've been in for a long time, so I've seen how the military has grown with accepting mental health as far as not being a stigma and just being another aspect of a soldier's life as it is in a a regular person's life. And so, you know, there's a lot of time and energy spent into removing that stigma and just allowing us the care and providing it and giving us access. And so uh, the Army has done that very well. Oh, Department of Defense, you know, we have done that very well in all the branches. So, you know, we are very well-versed. Now, the trick is this. I would just hope that men in the military would overcome their own personal pride and their own personal biases, if they have it, and seek help when needs to. I mean, I was part of an Army program called STARS, where we got volunteers of like, I've helped get 36,000 volunteers to take this survey ran by the University of Michigan, I believe, where they tried to get a profile of a baseline of mental health to predict suicidal behavior. And uh, I was only responsible for 36,000 samples and my other fellow commanders at the reception companies were gathering their own groups of 36,000 because, you know, the the bigger sample population sample you have is more reliable of the data that you can draw from these types of tests. And so we put lots of energy in trying to even develop a pattern of just a psychological evaluation of what patterns tend to make someone more subject to stress that will cause suicide, suicidal thoughts and ideations. So we put a lot of time and effort into it.
0: Wow. Appreciate you sharing that. So let's talk a little bit about mentorship, right? I understand that mentoring is something near and dear to you and especially leading minorities, right? What fuels that passion?
1: I can tell you what fuels it absolutely is uh, when I was growing up, there was very little mentorship from someone who looked like me being provided. You know, maybe that was due to coming up in the military. Maybe that was due to always being, you know, traveling around with my mother. But I received mentorship from many people, but none of it was necessarily someone who looked like me. And so it became important to me. You know, I don't know if Maxine mentioned it, but, you know, I came in the house with a single mother. So, you know, to include a father wasn't there to provide mentorship growing up. And so as I got older, it just became something that I naturally gravitated to was mentoring young men in college. I do that a lot through my fraternity, Lambda Theta Phi, Latin Fraternity Incorporated, where we do a lot of, that's the end game of my fraternity is to mentor Latino males to ensure that we graduate college. And then, you know, as an alumni member, it helps us, it allows us to provide mentorship as adults, as these young men, now that they're out of college, they can uh, transition into life decisions and job decisions and things of that nature. So mentorship has always been a big deal to me, but absolutely, it was driven by the lack of it in my life growing up. And
0: so I know you speak to that. So you're definitely able to empathize and connect with young men, especially now as a leader yourself. But how do you go about, what's your process to go about mentoring and guiding young men to finding their purpose, right? And stepping into
1: what their adult lives might hold. Well, you know, the first step is very much making yourself available. And that gets kind of tricky as your life becomes complex with family, children, wives, and your own work. But as an adult mentor, you have to make yourself available. And fortunately, my profession makes my, one of my number one priorities is to provide mentorship to future leaders in the military. And I also had opportunities where I've taught like three years as a professor of military science at a HBCU Bethune-Cookman in Daytona Beach, Florida, where I was focused predominantly on minority youth. And that was a great experience. So I have an unfair advantage than someone who just wants to be a mentor on their own. I worked through my fraternity. I work through the military and I've also have taken assignments that put me in mentorship positions over, you know, minority youth. But I did lead that path, you know what I mean? So it didn't just fall from the sky. So I would encourage, you know, average citizens to either join an organization that gives them access, you know, at youth individuals where they need mentorship badly. And so they can provide it.
0: What do you teach young men right now about masculinity?
1: <sighs> masculinity. What do I teach? Well, you know, I know one thing. I say I don't really teach anything because masculinity is taught so, it's prevalent in American culture. You cannot get away with what is masculinity driven as far as, you know, the way we behave, the way we talk, the way we dress. But uh, I do teach them to be acceptance of all forms of it, you know, because I think right now in this stage of life in America, in this country, we need to be very acceptance of everyone and how they choose to express their masculinity. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Your wife, Maxine, is a strong one. I enjoyed our conversation so much. You know, one of the things she shared, though, was, you know, being on assignment. And you talked about, you know, the separation of the geographic separation being such a challenge when you're assigned somewhere else or, or deployed. But she mentioned being on assignment and away from you and, and your daughter for several years, right? Yes. I, I processed that as a listener. I couldn't help but, you know, wonder how you thrived in that. Role as both a husband and you know also a primary caretaker, right? Or being that active dad while still managing your role as a leader and your responsibilities at work at the same time.
1: I tell you what, though, when I'm in the positions, you know, being separate from my family is relatively easy, just because I've been dealing with it since I was a child. Since I was a child, but when it's me and Victoria by ourselves, I tell you, I have a great appreciation for what my mother went through because she (laughs) was. That military soldier trying to go to school and raise two sons. And right. so, yeah, absolutely. So it really just takes a concerted effort to be, I'll tell you, I run it just like I do. I run it like in the military. I just, we come home, we stick to a schedule and we hit it hard and we don't allow anything to come in between it. And it is stressful, you know, man, when you do it right, it's very tough because, you know, I send my daughter to public schooling and then, you know, those public schooling ratios are like one to 20 sometimes per, you know, the teacher per student. And uh, yeah. so you have a lot of work at home that you have to pick up, you know, if you want your child to do well. And so and then you got dinner. And so it's funny, you because know, they make fun of me at my job because I meal prep for my daughter, but I don't meal prep for myself. So, you know, <laughs> they tease me. and stuff like are it's, it's just a lot of work. It's a lot of work and you have to be committed and you just cannot slack off. And I'm very glad when Maxine comes home.
0: I have no idea how you do it because I, I mean, my wife will go away for a trip for 10 days and I'm like, I'm freaking out. <laughs>
1: <I> just, <laughs> yeah, it's tough.
0: Yeah. And that's real, right? I mean, being a parent and then working at the same time and
1: managing yeah, and everything. Just, and these great women that do it full time, you know. Yes. Yeah, so much respect. Yeah, much respect, you
0: know. So, Ken, as we prepared for the talk, you'd said something, you'd, you'd shared that, you know, relationships are, are best fixed by focusing on oneself first. Yes. And to that point, I wanted to ask you, how can we go about improving the relationship with ourselves?
1: Hmm. Well, literally, I was incapable of really focusing on it until one day, I remember me and my wife, we just had another argument over something. And of course, you know, all these petty arguments that we have in these relationships seem so important at the time, but they're really just like side things that are, there's a root problem. And lots, quite often we argue about other things than the actual root problem that's causing decisiveness. In our relationship. So, what ended up happening one day, I just call it an epiphany. I was in some type of drive through somewhere and I'm sitting in my car and I was pretty unhappy as the way things were going. And then I decided, said, you know what, Ken, and I was talking to myself third, first, and very uh, pompous, but I was at the time. I said, <laughs> like, Ken, just stop worrying about trying to fix. And I say the quotations, you can't see them, but they're in my hands. Stop trying to fix your wife and just fix yourself and just go with that. Because in every relationship, people know one side or the other. We already have the laundry list of things that our spouses either want us to see us change or yeah. they don't like about us. You know, Some of them we can agree with personally, and some of them we can say, no, I disagree with. Because like, if I just like this particular behavior, this is just who I am. as part of my character. I don't see nothing wrong with it. But then there's other things that we know as couples, we can work on these type issues. But I just decided to change those in myself. But it was really just like a moment of, I call it, I was defeated. I was defeated in trying to change this other human being because it doesn't work. I mean, short-term, you can get short-term gains, but those short-term gains will build up to long-term resentment. Mm -hmm. And so I decided just to work on myself to see how that was because I wasn't, I was like very young and I knew there was lots of things I need to improve. And so I was defeated and I decided to win over myself as best as I can because I can control the battle within me, you know, and through the laws of reciprocity, I've noticed my wife starting to appreciate the changes that I was making and she naturally wanted to make changes on her own just to produce that reciprocity, see how far we can get this thing going of self-improvement. So I really just, you just have to just want it. And the best way I can describe it is I just felt defeated in my attempts to change my wife, which is always a mistake, man. There's always a mistake. And then I decided just to change myself. So a question for
0: you in that, right? What are some of the things that you try to do or or encourage her to do and others to do that help you on a daily basis to increase your self-worth?
1: <sighs> Man, self-worth. Now, self-worth is always is a tricky concept because your self-worth might not jive with what society has for you if we're talking about professionally, if we're just talking about spiritually. And then uh, you really have a standard to work with by whatever scripture you choose to worship. But literally just taking an inventory of how you are as a person what character traits do you want? But you have to be brutally honest with yourself, though. If you're not brutally honest, if you try to be, delude yourself, then it's never going to work. But if you just sit there and be brutally honest and know what you perceive as your shortcomings and what your faults are and how you want to improve on, then you can actually make progress. But if you're lying to yourself, it's never going to happen. So true. You have to get real.
0: You touched on this earlier, but you guys are approaching 21 years of marriage, and congrats yes. on that again. As you look at this, I mean, Maxine shared some of this with us in her episode, but how has the military either helped or hampered the geographic separation at times? But how's that helped or hampered the
1: marriage life? The military lifestyle? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If a soldier is or a sailor, Marine, I know everyone's going to get offended don't. Hey, we're military members too, but I'm just focused on the military. So if a soldier is serious about himself and his training, then he will have the same dogged which, you know, that he has, determination that he has with his personal life than he has with his professional life. Because mm. we bend over backwards to make sure our mission is ready. All risk is appropriated and, and mitigated down and we know what's going on. All training's been conducted but then we don't tend to have that same intensity in our personal lives and how we conduct ourselves with families and friends. And so I tend to be the type of person that tries to maintain that, sometimes to the detriment. And I say that just because it can be annoying when your husband is being like overly intense about working something in the house. But, you know, I just try to incorporate the training that I've been given and being into my personal life. So when it comes to the geographic separations, so when it comes to these long hours, I know that my wife comes first, my family comes first as far as, you know, staying loyal to them and always not forgetting them and just doing what I have to do to make sure that I come back to them. So it is an interesting question. Military does put a strain on the lifestyle due to all the stresses involved. But if these issues were ever to be resolved in the personal time, then they won't play a factor when it comes to the stress. Because one thing I will praise Maxine for, I mean, amongst other things, is that things that we fight about tend to be truly unresolved issues, truly unresolved issues versus things that we just ignored. And now the military stress is causing me to act out on something that's kind of unrelated to what we're really fighting about. That makes sense.
0: In many ways, I find it so interesting, right? I mean, you both grew pretty much grew up in this marriage because you married at what,
1: 18? Oh my gosh, I was, yes, she doesn't like to put the dates out there, but yes, (laughs) she was the more mature person in the relationship. (laughs) I I get
0: that. Man, you know, to listen to you, because I mean, we're the same age, but I find so much wisdom in your story, you know, and you both having gone through 20 years, 20 plus years, I shared with her, you know, I'm celebrating 10 years this summer. And that's awesome to me. But, you know, to, mm-hmm. to survive that entire time, you know, you're much more mature. No, <laughs> I mean, sometimes, as you said, you know, the women, women are definitely a little bit more mature than we are, but I find wisdom in what you've shared and find it remarkable to see that the two of you growing together in this
1: walk. You know, to speak on the growing together in this walk, one interesting aspect when it comes to being with someone for so long. Is that we literally went through every growing, mature phase, growing phase of maturity together.
0: That's it, yeah.
1: So when other couples break up, they get the next partner, they get to see partner two, they get to see Ken 2.0. Right. You know, right. Maxine's still on the beta version of Ken. You know, she gets <laughs> to see the updates, but she remembers how poorly that operating system ran from the get go. And so, you know, that's one thing I think is. Is beautiful about being with someone for so long, but it's also a unique challenge because you really have to be good on the forgiveness game Mm -hmm. when you're with that same person because all the same things that annoyed you then, those memories are still not fresh in your mind, but they're always there to cause problems if you let it. And so forgiveness is big time, the method to be successful. So after all
0: that experience and wisdom, you guys decided you're going to author a book together, right? That's yes. number one new release on Amazon.
1: Happily joined the secret to relationship resiliency.
0: Thank you. We heard Maxine's take on relationship resilience, and I, I wanted to get the brothers' tips <laughs> <laughs> from you on on how we as husbands can help our wives, help our relationships, and not only to survive, but to thrive. So I invite you to share your wisdom on parts of the book that you found important to share.
1: All right. So we spoke on one earlier, which is focus on self-improvement first. Yes. And I cannot stress that enough because no one wants to be told that they're found lacking in any sort of way, especially if it just comes down to certain petty things. Uh, Maybe not petty is the right word, but certain things that just don't rub you the right way just because the euphoria of, you know, being in love, as far as the, very, for the intense, the fire is now settled down to the more mature version of it. Because, you know, love, the, love changes over time in the course of a relationship. You don't love anyone any less. Just certain passions change to certain things, you know, like when you're cooking and cleaning and paying bills, you know, it comes to a more longer enduring love and you have to find ways to have that passion flare up again and as time permits. So definitely... Don't focus on trying to see some type of fault just because love has shifted in its in the way it's presented on a daily basis. So focus on self improvement. If you see any issues, look to yourself first. You know, another great one is for working professionals that balancing that work and home balance, life home balance. Yes. I mean, if you in the military is terrible, we're soldiers. We are terrible at work, 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 work. Probably mostly because the profession demands it. But you have to find the time. You know, one of my, I heard a general officer give a, a speech once and towards the end, he said, I never heard anyone say, man, you know, like at the end of their retirement and they're quitting after 30 years of service or whatever, it's like, man, my only regret is that I wish I could have spent more time at work. Mm-hmm. You know, that is not something that is said by CEOs or people who own businesses or, you know, and so definitely you need to focus as much time as possible on the family because once it's all said and done, all you have is your family. Right. Once you retire from these organizations, from these corporations, you're replaced with a new person. And then it's like, you no longer even existed. Right. And I've been to many social events with multimillionaires, but once they're no longer the CEO of that corporation, all they have is their money, which is great, right? But their family is what makes you feel whole. I mean, we do this, all this hustle and bustle is for our family. And so if you you know neglect your family on the way to the top, then they're not going to be there with you to to look at the view. Mm. So that's that's something that you really need to not neglect. Love that. You know, and I don't know how long you want me to keep going. I can keep talking, but I know you. Yeah. You're
0: you're good. You're absolutely good. Now I think of that, Ken, and I sometimes reflect on the idea of balance. And you know, I to value my role as a dad, you know, and a husband. And I now look at it as parts of my life. I don't look at it as trying to balance. I look at, you know, it as parts of a body, right? That make you
1: yes. whole. Right. So so you're fully incorporated. That's excellent. It is, right?
0: Because, you know, if any part of that suffers, like you said, you know, it may be all for not, right? I have passion in this work I'm doing with this podcast. But if that sacrifice, you know, takes away from the time I have to the very short period of time that we have to impart wisdom and love to our kids, then it's not worth it to me. So, you know, I find that, you know, I try to do all things and do them well, but I don't want to just, you know, neglect and say, okay, you know, this season is just for trailblazers or this season is just for the kids. You're right. You know, I appreciate you sharing that, Ken, and you have my mind turning, you know, thinking about, yeah. you know, we're getting set to wrap up here, but before we do, I wanted to to maybe ask you, you know, if there are. Any other good books? Obviously, you know, we talked about your book. Definitely planned right. on our show notes page for everyone to grab a copy. But are there any other good books that you're reading right now or that you've read that you think, you know, we should check out?
1: Well, I'll tell you this. One, first of all, I apologize. I can't sing like my wife. So there's going to be no, no serenade <laughs> closeout. And, and my voice is more deeper and husky. So is that as pleasant as my wife? So I'll offer all those apologies to all the viewers. And I knew and I I remember the question of the book. And so listen, people that know me, I'm a bit of a a geek. And so I tend on my time, I tend to read sci fi type stuff. Because, you know, the military bombards me with leadership books all the time. And I read so many. and, And so I like to detract from it. But one thing I thought that was interesting, I am reading, it's a very old book called Dune by Frank Herbert. And what Mm. most people don't know is that after he passed, his children picked up the torch and they completed his vision. He did like a Star Wars thing where he started in the middle of the story and worked his way forward. And so it's like a big drama of 12 series of books called Dune, and they all have different subnames. But one thing that is very relevant to the discussion we're talking about is that there is a theme that is throughout all the books of where crisis, adapt, and evolve. Without giving anything away of the book, that is one of the themes that you'll see prevalent through each story is that there's always a crisis and like crisis in our lives, whether it's money, education, employment, family, and then we have to adapt. We have to adapt or we die or we become successful. And when we become successful, we evolved. And- that crisis is no longer a crisis. It's just something that's in our toolkit of how we can avoid and become better until we face the next crisis, which is always going to be greater than the last crisis, because now we're operating at this higher evolved level of efficiency, of managerial skills, of family etiquette, you know? And when people see you doing well in life, they're going to bring you their problems. I mean, Colonel Powell, General Powell, Secretary of State Paul. I mean, he has so many titles, former Jamaican descendant as well. He says, in the military aspect, soldiers stop bringing you their problems when they think you either don't care or you lack the power to help them. And I mm. paraphrase that just a little bit, but it's very accurate. People will start bringing you their problems when they either think you don't care or you lack the power to help them. Wow. And so that is the book, Dune, D-U-N-E, if any sci-fi is out there. There's 12 books if you're a monster, you want to read all 12 to get the whole story. But remember, yeah, absolutely. At crisis, adapt and evolve is this a theme is- that I think that is very important in everyone's lives.
0: I love that. Love that. So last question for you, close out today. What's one action that our listeners hopping off this call right now should take this week that's going to help them to blaze their trail?
1: Do a self-assessment of where you are in your life and look at the milestones you thought you would be at and figure out what's holding you back and make decisions after that. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to stay there? Is this your new norm or are you going to get back on track to where you want it to be? Or are you going to determine a new timeline? to reinvest in how you want your life to go. But self-assessment is very critical. Honest self-assessment is very critical. So I would encourage them to jump off the phone or the computers or the iPads and just really say, man, where am I at in my life? Is this where I want to be? Am I happy here? Because sometimes priorities change. But yeah, you don't want to be caught in the tail end of life thinking, man, I wish I could have, I should have. I'd rather give you a story. I'd rather list to you all my failures. Man, I did this and I couldn't do it. I did this, but this this got in the way. I did this, but then this happened. Then, man, I wish I could have done something. Oh, I wish I would have tried. That to me is a more compelling story of someone who has failed multiple times, who has been daring to take the challenge. So that's what I would offer. Love it.
0: Pumped up. Ken, <laughs> as we wrap up, remind our listeners how they can get a copy of the book.
1: Yes, I know. It's on You can one easy, sure, far away. Go to happilyjoint.com with all the WWs up front. Or go to Amazon and you can search happily joint and it should bring it up right away. Even if you want the whole title, it's happily joint. The secret to relationship resiliency, because all relationships have problems. A perfect relationship has problems, but an even more perfect relationship is resilience in how it deals with them. So there you go.
0: Major Kenneth Reyes, appreciate you, brother.
1: Thank you for having me. Well,
0: that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tdpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, or colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved